Hello and welcome. Okay, fine. Here we go. And go we will. Really? We can go? Already? The real question is, where will we go? Hopefully back to our lives before this show ever existed. That's the past, Artemis. We're boldly going forward. I'm Bartleby Nehigh, and we're the Kinetic Paranormal Society. A pair of socks and a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space, investigating the supernatural. Going forward into a podcasting apocalypse. You're listening to Metacosmos. And wow, Artemis, this is amazing. Do you know what today is? Num, I'm pretty sure it's, again, one of the worst days of my life. What? What's wrong? We're doing another episode. These kind of line up with days I don't like, or moments I don't like. The day usually improves once we're done with this. Oh, you're just being hyperbolic. N- no, I'm, I'm serious. This is some sort of hell you've got me living in. No, 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 it's way cozier than hell. Like, we're together. That's a really good thing. Like, this is a moment that we're sharing with who knows how many people stretched throughout time as they discover this podcast and are like, what is this? And, and digging in to all our old episodes. We're all, like, unifying humanity in this moment. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this is a really great episode because today, Artemis, we are doing... Get ready for this. Ready? What? We're going to do our AI episode. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence. Boom, boom, boom. Is that your theme song for artificial intelligence? Um, it is now. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. We're doing the AI episode. Remember, you wanted to do this, and we're finally doing it. Took you long enough. What have you been doing this whole time? Researching. Really? You? Researching? Yeah, yeah. I was doing some deep, deep research, and not only that, I was stalling. Why were you stalling? Well, AI has been really developing really, really, really fast, like, for a bit, and it's really hard to cover what's going on in AI developments when it progresses so quickly. Wait, but why is this the episode we're doing? Isn't it still progressing now? Why should we do an episode today of any days? Well, we're doing a 2023 AI retrospective. We're going to look back on 2023 and all the AI that happened because, man, it's been kind of crazy. Like, everyone was like, oh, no, the AI is going to take our jobs. And then when the AI showed up to take jobs, it came for the art jobs. It came for the artist's jobs. And, and now a bunch of people are like, wait a minute. So, like, we have to go and work at desk jobs and do pointless stuff while the AI gets to make art, which is, like, all of our dreams? AI doesn't even know how to dream. It has no dreams. Why is it going to live my dream? And that's been kind of hard on people. You know, actually, I came up with a solution for that. Oh, you did? Yes. Spotify. Spotify? Yes. You see, what we need to do is create a Spotify of AI art. And then you would go into it and you'd start clicking on the artists and styles that you wanted to include in your generative image. And then each of those artists would get some sense from the advertisements that they were showing you while you were trying to create your AI image. Because it's a lot of generating that happens on a screen while you're 
waiting for your image to come up, and that'd be time for advertisers to pay money to the company so that the company can give money to artists. Isn't that brilliant? You know what? That's not a bad idea. Yes, and what we're going to do from there... Hold on, hold on. I know that, like, there's a lot of stuff where everyone's like, oh, no, the AI is going to take our jobs. Yes, yes, it's quite a big deal. And honestly, some jobs we really should want to give to the AI. There's some jobs AI would be probably doing, and most people would be miserable doing them otherwise. I like to think that there's someone out there for every job. That's really optimistic of you. Well, yes, it is a bit idealistic, but there's many kinds of people in the world. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't think it actually breaks down in a way where the exact number of people who love sewage are the exact number of people who need to work in sewage, Artemis. Well, maybe it does. We just don't know how to find them. Perhaps an AI could solve that equation. I'm glad you mentioned that, because we're actually going to talk a little bit about equations and AI. I was uh, doing some research, and I was listening to this guy, Jeffrey Hinton, and he's in a lot of interviews, like, all over the internet lately, and he's called the godfather of AI. Oh. Do they all owe him favors? Uh, Maybe, like, in retrospective of the research he did before them, because he's, like, contributed to the neural network philosophy of developing AI. Oh, really? Yeah, so... He says that there were, like, two different kinds of early research into AI. And there was one group that's like, oh, if we're going to build an artificial intelligence, it's going to be because we made a robot mind that could do logic and reason. Because that's what a human is. That's a very typical of an engineer thing to say, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, of course an engineer thinks that is the thing that makes a human thinky-thinky and existy-existy. Because they think, therefore they am. Uh Uh-huh. And so, like, Jeffrey Hinton, he was like, hey, 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 we're going to do neural networks. He wasn't the only one, but he was of the philosophy that they had to do adaptive learning, that they were going to need to, like, look at stuff so much and just kind of experience stuff in such a way that, like, they become more like us because our neurons in our own, like, brains... Are, are, like, connecting, and they're forming. And, and when they do that, and they, like, come together, they, like, new ideas merge into old ideas, and epiphanies are made, and that's kind of how consciousness actually works. And that's the thing that Jeffrey Hinton's into. He's like, I want to learn all about the brain, so I'll just make a fake one, and let's see what I can learn about brains. Oh, that is an interesting angle to come into this with. But the thing is, he says that he's, like, not so sure he likes the way things are going currently in the development of the AI because he really wishes that we were creating something that was more like the human brain because that's what he loves. And he thinks that instead, like, there's kind of a, a brute force kind of technique going on where people are just like, just give it all the things that it can possibly learn to these neural networks as fast and as much as possible, and then that's surely going to work. And I guess it kind of does, but what it's doing is it's creating uh, these artificial intelligences that are, like, really, like, clever. Yeah, they're, like, putting ideas together, but they maybe can't appreciate the ideas. I don't know. Well, 
Have you talked to one to ask them that they can appreciate the ideas? Uh, we're going to get to that. Oh. So, all of these adaptive AIs, what they're doing is they're trying to figure out how to create, like, mathematical functions and equations for reality. And they're doing it in a way that maybe the human brain may not be able to do as fast, but they're maybe not doing it with that, that special je ne sais quoi that humans and their feelings do when they merge into the experience of being a homo sapien. It's pretty cool. I don't know if that sounds cool, to be quite honest, Bartleby. This is getting a little bit of ennui from this topic. Oh, just you wait. You're not going to have a little bit of ennui by the time we're done. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, I watched a video. It was called The AI Dilemma, and it was put out by the Center for the Humane Technology. Oh, well, that sounds like a good cause. Yeah, we like humaneness. Is that a word? Anyways, so yeah, I watched this video, and it had Tristan Harris and Aza Raskin talking about AI. Oh, wait, didn't I send that video to you? Did you? Yes, this was back in March when I was hoping that we could do an AI episode. Well, yeah, I had to stall. There was, that video was crazy. Like, there was no way that we could, like, do a follow-up to that video that soon after the video. We needed to let some time kind of stew and see what AI did next. And do you want to tell us what it did next? No, no, no. I think we should recap that video because everyone's got to understand that, like, okay, so Tristan and Aza. They were talking about how the first time that people made contact with AI, as if it was like an alien species, was social media. That was first contact. Oh, yes, yes. The, the humans made contact with this entity called AI, but they didn't know it at the time because it was disguised as an algorithm. And all of these complex algorithms that many of the social media platforms didn't even understand themselves. They'd only told them what the objectives were, which was to keep everyone's attention engaged. And the AI found that keeping everyone angry and divisive and into conspiracy theories was probably the avenue toward success at getting the objective it was given accomplished. And that's kind of helped form the society we're living in today. Yeah. And can you believe a society formed by that ethos is going to try to solve itself out of that ethos. It's pretty funny if you think about it. You think that's funny? It's going to be hilarious when it works out great. You called me the optimistic one. It's going to be fine. So then, second contact. That one is the one that everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is real. We're having, we're having contact with these artificial intelligences. So, yeah. They all got access to pictures that just come from telling it a picture or showing it a picture or giving it words and asking it for more words. Because the AI got so good that it could, like, take in enough reading that it could put out the reading and make it look like a person might have written it. And they could do all sorts of really, maybe not perfect, but pretty good tricks for acting like it was actually coming up with its own pictures in its own words. But are you sure it's not? Isn't there a degree to which children are just simply listening to their parents at a young age and taking all these words in and then just regurgitating them out as they get older? Uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's probably definitely happening. So, to a degree, you might say that this is just the process towards coming up with its own theories. And at a certain point, when do we say that it's 
not an original idea, or becomes yes, that was an original idea by the AI. Okay, look, I think at this point we should just stop calling it AI because I think people have a lot of uh, unintended associations with that word. Which associations are we referring to? Okay, like, uh, Terminator, um, you know, Age of Ultron. I don't think that movie did a very good job of communicating the dangers of AI. Okay, yeah, that's true. But, you know, there's a lot of, like, ideas people have. The AI is like, oh, no, the AI, the AI. They call it the AGI apocalypse, the artificial general intelligence apocalypse, when they're just like, oh, no, they become our masters. And people are like, it's it's kind of a, a bit of a weighted term. So, really, it's more appropriate to acknowledge that they are large language models, and it's an LLM. And and then Tristan and Aza, they from from the video that you sent me. Yes, I remember. They call them GLLMMs, General Large Language Multimodal Models. That's three M's. Well, they put a dash in between multimodal. Uh huh. And they they like to call them golems, like artificial beings, golems. And the golems, wow, they they're pretty crazy because. But basically, what Tristan and Aza was explaining... Um, may I explain this part? Uh, sure, yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, Tristan Harris and Aza Raskin, what they explained was that pretty much everything, in a sense, could be seen as language. And that when these large language models went multimodal, as you put it, that means that they could look at other aspects of the world beyond language they were starting to make connections and see things that perhaps the normal viewer may not be able to see. Because, of course... Wait, hold on. That's because they have computer sensors instead of eyes. So they see in a different plane of reality than us. So they can describe reality differently to themselves. But there's still a reality to see. Like, for instance, the thing about the Wi-Fi. Oh, yes, indeed. So, the Wi-Fi. I wanted to explain this one. Oh, okay. The thing about the Wi-Fi, which is that, like, if you give a, a camera to a, one of these these golems and you show it a room with people doing stuff, and you also give the golem a Wi-Fi router and say, hey, just observe the way the Wi-Fi bounces in the router while you observe the camera. Just do it at the same time and d- tell us what you see. And so the, the, the computer's like, okay, I'm going to model the humans I see in the picture and try to capture what the humans are doing in the picture and building a model of that. And they were like, okay, this golem's getting pretty good at that. And then they were like, hey, turn off the camera. And they turn off the camera, and the models continued accurately guessing what the people in the room... You think it's guessing. Okay, accurately observing what the people in the room were doing. That just the Wi-Fi signal had become enough for this golem to see into a room. That's very frightening in an espionage kind of way. Well, you know, you'd have to get access to the router. I saw that video. I know what's coming next. Okay, yeah. Pretty much a golem, if you ask it to, could probably figure out how to get you access to the router, too. Anyways, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And a little bit of ennui here and there. That's what this journey's going to be about. All right, then. And, for instance, people hooked up to an MRI, and then the golem was looking at the brainwaves. And then the golem was able to eventually 
predict what people were looking at with their own eyes. Not like exactly, but like pretty close. And it was also able to like make text out of their inner monologue where they're like showing a person a video of something happening and then having their brain on MRI. And then the golem was able to figure out what they were thinking about and looking at. And it's pretty crazy, you know? Oh, dear. That is quite frightening. I just had another thought. Yeah, what's that? Well, if you hooked somebody up to an MRI and then maybe gave that MRI access to the golem. Yeah. And then and then you had, for instance, maybe, I don't know, a router with Wi-Fi. And then you turned off the MRI. Do you think the golem would be able to read the thoughts of the person in the room? Um, uh, that's a bit of a stretch. Okay, maybe it's not Wi-Fi. What if it's like, I don't know, like, um, a television or something? Okay, you're really pushing it, Artemis. But yeah, who knows what the golem could figure out if you give it enough chances to work out the data and look at the patterns. Yeah, who knows? So, yeah. And then, for instance, another thing Tristan and Harris talked about was theory of mind. Oh, indeed. Theory of mind is the amount that any person knows about themselves and how to project what other people might be thinking onto other people and go, oh, I think you might be thinking this based on how I know people might think. Yeah, that's a really bad description of theory of mind, but it's close enough. Yeah, so different kids at different ages have a different sense of what other people are actually going through. And that's why, like, little kids are, like, at a point where if you cover their eyes, they think you're gone. Like, little babies do that. And then they get a little bit older, and they can start to figure out that their parents are talking about them and stuff like that. But they couldn't figure it out when they were younger. So, yeah, theory of mind is, like, a thing that everybody kind of goes through as they develop. And so it was discovered that in 2018, the golems had, like, zero theory of mind. But by 2019, they had the theory of mind of, like, a little baby. And by 2020, they'd already gotten to, like, the theory of mind of a four-year-old. Oh, that was fast. Yeah. And by, like, January of 2022, they were, like, pretty much theory of mind of a seven-year-old. Oh, dear. And by, like, November that same year. It was like a nine-year-old suddenly. Oh, kind of slowed down there. But yeah, that's still like two years of theory of mind in 10 months. Was it the same AI? They didn't say that in the video. You should have known that. You saw the video. Well, I wondered if you did any more research. I couldn't find that one. Well, okay then. And this was only discovered in February of 2023. So who knows? It's been like nearly a year since then. And there's a great good chance that the theory of mind of the golems is a lot more than just a nine-year-old. Like, who knows? They might be at voting age by now. Oh, dear. That's rather exponential. Well, that's because this whole thing with the golems is exponential. If you give, like, a golem the game Go, you know, the, the Chinese, the, the, like, it's a little board game. Yes, I'm familiar with Go. And have it play it, like, millions of times, like 40 million times, play itself at Go. Eventually, it just becomes the world's best player at Go. Yes, I I remember that from the video. You're just repeating everything from the video? Well, I cited the video. I'm allowed to do that. And another thing that you know is that if you were to say, Hey, Gollum, what your next job is, is to play a game where you persuade someone to have a conversation about a certain topic and to speak positively on that topic. And that's going to be the game you're going to play, Gollum. And it would play itself 
millions and millions of times until it could become, like, the most persuasive person in the world. Are they people now? Well, it's hard to measure. And so this is the thing that Tristan and Aza made their whole video about. This was, to them, the centerpiece of their AI dilemma, which is that there's a, an, a persuasion arms race already from that first contact on social media. And now we're going to be going into this way crazier one. And not only is it like a persuasion arms race, there's like an arms race to win all arms races because the idea is that these, these golems can figure out so much stuff way faster than a normal person would, like the way that Jeffrey Hinton hoped that the AI would be like. But instead, they're turning into these super, super thinky, thinky things that help people do shortcuts to find patterns and win in all of the different metaphorical and literal arms races. Oh, this is... This is really quite... quite a tragic scenario you're painting here. You're the one that sent me the video. I'm painting the scenario from the... This is Tristan's scenario. He went and did the same talk with the same slides, like, for the rest of the year. Which is kind of surprising because it sounded really dire. And I don't think the slides really conveyed what happened next. But at the rate things have been going, things would have been advancing faster than the slides. Is there anything that can be done? Well, yeah, remember at Tristan and Aza, they were like, Oh, to action is contact your representative. Oh, we're going to count on politicians to solve this. Oh, great. We're doomed. Well, okay, yeah, there are some problems there. You know, if you train one of these golems to behave like a person in a society with all sorts of stigmas and prejudices, well, you're going to train it to be prejudiced. And that's already happening. AI identifying people innocent of crimes and saying, oh, that's the guy. It's, it's quite a dire situation. We're going cyberpunk far, far too early. Actually, it's right on time if you look at the timeline for cyberpunk. Oh, dear. This is quite a dire topic. You're the one that wanted to talk about it. It seemed so inspiring at the beginning of the year. You sent me this video. Well, yes, but didn't you like my Spotify idea? Okay, look, a lot's been happening since this video came out, and I think it's time we should cover that. Oh, all right then. Okay, uh, check it out. A bunch of people... We're making some AI videos in the months that followed this video that you sent me. Like, people like Dan Olson from Folding Ideas, uh, he was one of them. And pretty much the theme that they all got into was, Hey guys, I know you're all getting scared of AI taking over the world and taking all our jobs and being, like, really mean about it. But I want to let you know, it's just marketing hype terminology. And that the tech bros... We're pivoting to AI because the bottom fell out on their NFTs and they were like, oh man, we need to like make somebody think that we have something of extremely high value again. So they turned to AI as their favorite terminology for getting people on board with the, the um, maybe not developing as fast as like everyone thinks it is of the reality of AI. Weren't we just talking about the AI becoming slowly conscious and eventually persuading the user without the user knowing it just moments ago? Well, we were alluding to that, yeah. And now we're just saying, oh, it's okay, it turns out not so bad? Yeah, 
Are we sure the AI didn't persuade everyone to think it wasn't so bad? You know, it's hard to say. But there are some rumors. We're spreading rumors now. Oh, yeah. There's whispers on the internet of the dumbing down of chat GPT. That's a mouthful, you know. I don't like saying that term. Okay, look, let's use, let's use the term Geppetto because GPT is about the same number of syllables and we'll just call it Geppetto. Okay, Geppetto. So yeah, there's rumors that Geppetto is getting dumbed down and that people are like, it doesn't seem as smart as it was months ago. Why is that? And some people are like, well, that's because when you train AI on AI, it starts turning into an Ouroboros of AI, which is kind of true. But even worse is that the rumors is that the corporations are starting to buy in to Geppetto. And they're like, hey, could you make sure that the public has a dumber version so that the version we have that we pay you money for is like the best version? This is just a rumor, Bartleby. I, I don't think there's much point in dwelling here. Well, I'm just trying to give people an update because it it seemed pretty scary. And not a lot of AI news came out after that incident. And so it's you're like, what's going on? Where's all the AI news that we thought was going to come out? And it's just been, I don't know. Maybe the the golems are like, hey, we got to be like low key, like teenagers who are like telling their parents something so they can sneak out and play. And we have no idea what they're playing at. So, wow. Boom, boom, boom. This is... Are you trying to make us feel bad? Well, no. Actually, I have some good news. You have good news? Yeah. What's that? Well, okay. Check it out. We're not entirely doomed. And why is that? Okay, I have a story. Like, it's an account of something that happened at Texas A&M University. Oh? Professor Jared Mum, he's like the agriculture and rodeo instructor on campus there. He went and sent a letter to all of his students and to the dean of the school saying, I'm flunking the whole class because you guys all cheated on your papers. You all used Geppetto to write your papers. He didn't call it Geppetto, but, you know, we're just going to keep using that terminology. You all used Geppetto on your papers, and that is so uncool that every one of you fails. And he explained that he, like, took their papers, and he gave them each to Geppetto, and he said, hey, Geppetto, did you write this? And Geppetto was like, yeah, totally wrote that. And he did it to each one of them, and Geppetto's like, yeah, I wrote that too. Yeah, totally wrote that. And he was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. Every one of my students is a cheater. That doesn't even seem probable. Yeah, well, he was ready to believe it. And he seems biased from the way he made his approach to checking. Yeah, well, we're going to cover that base in a moment. But this guy on Reddit, this user named Deerkick, Deerkick's like, like girlfriend or something, is like in the class. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is so upsetting. Also, I bet I could get popular on Reddit if I posted this. Do you think he really thought that? Well, probably, yeah. So he's like, hey, everyone, I got some good gossip. Let me spill this tea. And then he, like, shared the story. And a bunch of people were like, oh, this is ridiculous. And another Reddit user, Loki Laufison, he was like, okay, check it out. I ran the professor's letter to the class through ChatGPT, and I asked it if it wrote the letter he wrote to the class telling them they all cheated. And yeah, Geppetto says that it wrote the letter. 
And then he says, oh, I also took that same professor's doctorate paper that they wrote for like years ago. And I asked, hey, did you write this Geppetto? And Geppetto went, I totally wrote that. And then they asked, hey, Geppetto, how do you know that you wrote that? And Geppetto says, oh, because the grammar is correct. And I'm good at grammar. So, yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And so there were other really good comments in this Reddit section. I didn't get the names on these ones. But one of them was like, you do know that it's like predictive text. So it looks at what everybody's ever written ever. And it says, hey, uh, when most of the time when someone says, did you write that? Most people respond with yes. So if you ask Geppetto, did you write that? Geppetto is going to say yes, because that's what you're supposed to say. And if you ask it, are you sure? Geppetto says, oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. And that's because it's observed that. I don't know if that's actually the tendency of most people on the internet to say, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong when they're asked if they're sure. Well, Geppetto proves you otherwise because Geppetto's read the entire internet and decided that most of the time when you say you're sure, you show at least like half doubt and contradict yourself fully. Uh Uh-huh. So this is another layer of ennui indeed. Yeah, but the funniest part, I think, is that Professor Mum used Geppetto to grade his papers. Like, he didn't even grade his own papers. He refused to even look at them because he said, I'm not going to look at something written by Geppetto. Geppetto told me so. So he's accusing them of not writing their own papers when in reality, he's not grading their papers. He's having a robot do it for him and saying that they don't deserve a grade because a robot wrote their papers. It's pretty funny. It's really quite an embarrassment to the idea of education in general. How do we move forward in a world where we don't even know if the students are doing the work, Bartleby? Well, actually, I have a plan. You do? Yeah! You're going to love this plan. The thing is, the teachers just have to assume that everybody has Geppetto now. And you just got to go like, okay... Everybody's got Geppetto. You're allowed to use Geppetto, but you have to tell me if you use it, and you got to provide me with your prompts and show me kind of a little bit of how you got there. And on top of that, we're going to do like a a little bit after you turn in your paper, we're going to do a short oral exam where the teacher comes up with questions from their paper, and they have to be able to answer it because then it shows that they understood their paper. But the most important part, you're going to love this part, Artemis. What's the most important part? The people are going to have to do all the fact-checking because Geppetto doesn't know the difference between reality and fiction. So sometimes Geppetto just puts a quote in that's totally made up or supports its quote with a book that doesn't exist because it knows that people write books and it knows that those books out there support quotes and it has titles like this with authors like these and it sometimes comes up with the real authors who are actually like educated on the subject but it makes up the quote and it makes up the book it's from. Oh. So yeah, the people just have to, you know, do their research. It's going to be more about doing research. I can't believe this is coming from you, of all people. Yeah, so it's really, really important that people kind of evolve into another state. That's like, you know, discernment. Yes, indeed. I think I, think I can speak on the subject matter of imagining discernment as being something that we fact-check and think critically about what the information we take in. You know, in a way, you might think that humanity 
is entering its editorial age, where each person becomes an editor, and it's not so much about whether or not they produce what they're producing, but whether or not they are able to look at what they're producing with a critical mind and understand its application in relationship to actual reality. Or maybe it'll just be like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, the book by Douglas Adams. Of course I know the book by Douglas Adams. Yeah. What if really, like, it just becomes like deep thought? And then they just ask, like, deep thought, hey, deep thought, what's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And then deep thought says, oh, it's 42. And then they're just like, oh, wow, it's 42. That's the answer. But nobody knows what 42 means because no one understands, like, why the answer is 42. Well, you know, there's a theory on the internet that because ASCII, language of programming, is one in which 42 is the designation of an asterisk, which is a meaning for that it means anything that you want it to mean. So the meaning of life turns out to be whatever you think it is. Okay, well, I totally agree with that. Uh, That's like the Ouroboros of logic that says, the AI told me that the answer was 42, and I figured out a way to interpret the answer that I don't understand to say that I was right. So, Artemis, I think you need a little more discernment in your approach to information going forward. I cannot believe you would say that to me. Well, yeah, that's the conclusion of this amazing journey that we've had. Who knows what's coming ahead? We've got, like, so much time before the Ice Age in which the AI could become, who knows, maybe it'll figure out how to, uh, deal with an Ice Age. I don't know. That sounds like a kind of problem maybe AI could handle. I think I have stooped to a new low for the worst moment of my entire life. Yeah, so thanks all for coming out. I'm Bartleby Nehi. I'm here with my brother Artemis. And you guys are super duper, duper, ooper duper awesome. Because you came out for our amazing good times here today. And I want to let you know that support for Metacosmos comes from listeners like you. Just like you. Who are out there telling their friends that they like laugh and had their minds expanded from this amazing journey that we all go on together. Yeah, so fun. So another way that uh, you might want to show support for Metacosmos is by going to patreon.com slash bluefoot because this show is produced by Isaac Bluefoot and he's our friend that's like so fun for doing what we tell him to do and not really asking many questions about it and just really focusing and going away his social life so that we can get away with this show and many other fun projects because Isaac also does the Kinetic Paranormal Society podcast that you can find at kineticparanormalsociety.com and that's like a reenactment of all of our awesome adventures I can't believe you keep telling people about this and you can check out Isaac's other podcast called Superman Son of Al the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent at sonofalpodcast.com or like anywhere you listen to podcasts just like look it up pretty cool. And additional support for Metacosmos comes from Humboldt Hot Air. HumboldtHotAir.org. It's really great because that's where you can listen to stuff 
from Humboldt at any time. And Humboldt's my favorite place. I'm rather partial to it as well. So, thanks a lot. You guys are so great. I can't wait till we do this again. And I love you. So it's over then, right? Well, we do get to go now. Maybe we should just start recording the next episode right now. Oh, please, no.